0: Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we see deep rebellion in the Northern Kingdom of Israel, before God sends a prophet to demonstrate his power before the people. Fire reveals the true God of Israel. You're listening to Prism Bible. should never lose sight of the sovereignty of God. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants with all that is his God is the king of all things and kings have the right to do whatever they want whenever they want in the territory where they are king. Since God's territory is all things he retains all rights to exercise his sovereignty Remember, he also grants subordinate sovereignty that's what God has been doing for a long time God apparently wants to give his creatures a measure of freedom to make their own decisions for good or bad. These decisions can be as great as the worthy sacrifice of Abel and as bad as the murder of Abel by his brother Cain. They can be as great as David's face-off against Goliath and as bad as David's adultery with Bathsheba. And in the present, as the rebellion of the northern kingdom continues, we see these kings use their subordinate rule to lead the northern tribes away from God, away from God's law, and toward fake gods, toward idols, and eventually to ruin. Israel, the northern kingdom, has many kings, but there are a few standouts. In fact, one of the standout kings is unfavorably compared to Jeroboam, that very first king of Israel who built the golden calves. This later king is even worse. Ahab, son of Amri, became king of Israel. And Ahab, son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it were not enough for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, he even married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he then proceeded to serve and worship Baal. First Ahab set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole, Thus, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. In the northern kingdom, things had gotten worse and worse since Jeroboam. And so far, Ahab is the pinnacle of rebellion in the kingdom. He marries a non Israelite, he sets up an altar for the false god Baal, he worships Baal, and he builds more items for false worship. You can bet that this makes God angry. And in response, God sends a prophet. God sends a rather famous prophet named Elijah, who delivers a judgment to Ahab because of the king's wicked behavior. Now Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel before whom I stand, there will be neither dew nor rain in these years except at my word. Then a revelation from the Lord came to Elijah Leave here, turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook of Kareth, east of the Jordan river, and you are to drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah did what the Lord had told him, and he went and lived by the brook of Kareth, east of the Jordan. The ravens would bring him bread and meat in the morning and evening, and he would drink from the brook. Sometime later, however, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah simply says to Ahab that God has made it so that it won't rain until Elijah says so. This judgment will essentially be a testimony that Yahweh is the true God of Israel instead of these false gods that Ahab and Jezebel had led the northern kingdom to worship. This judgment, however, even has effects on the prophet himself. Not only does the king seek his life, but Elijah also has to weather the drought upon the land. First God sends him to a brook and then God sends him to a new location. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, Get up and go to Zarephath of Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now that the brook had dried up because of lack of rainfall, God tells Elijah to head for Zarephath, a city north of the kingdom of Israel. Elijah is to go there and to stay with a particular widow whom God has appointed to provide for Elijah. This prophet, though on the run, is experiencing miraculous provision from God. Miracles that show God's power. First through the bread and meat brought to Elijah by ravens. Then later, continual bread and oil is provided for the household of the widow in Zarephath. And then there at Zarephath, we see the first resurrection recorded in the Bible, when Elijah raises the widow's son from the dead. God is doing amazing things for Elijah and through Elijah. But perhaps the pinnacle of Elijah's prophetic ministry comes in just a few years, in an epic moment of fire. After a few years in Zarephath, God tells Elijah to go back to Israel. And soon we see Elijah set up a challenge, a sort of proof where God will show himself to the people as the one true God. A proof to show the falseness of Baal that the people had hoped in for rain. After a three-year drought on the land, Elijah makes this challenge to the people in Israel. Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bowls for us. Let the prophets of Baal choose one bowl for themselves and cut it into pieces and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. And I will prepare the other bowl and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you may call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of Yahweh. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, What you say is good. The challenge is set, and soon the 450 prophets of Baal prepare a bull sacrifice. They call and wail to the name of Baal from morning until noon, but it's to no avail. There was no sound, and no one answered. Elijah even mocks them and says, Shout louder, for he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or occupied or on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. You can tell that Elijah isn't worried that Baal might actually answer. Again, there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Finally, it's Elijah's turn. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each tribe of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come and said, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, Elijah built an altar in the name of Yahweh. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two sias of seed. Next he arranged the wood, cut up the bowl, placed it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots and pour the water on the offering and on the wood. Do it a second time, he said, and they did it a second time. Do it a third time, he said, and they did it a third time. So the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Elijah takes twelve stones for the twelve tribes of Israel, reminding these people of their identity among the twelve. It's as if in the identity crisis brought on by sin, these people have forgotten who they are and where they came from. They've forgotten the God who called them out of Egypt, who gave them the law, who saved them time and time again. And here Elijah gives them a reminder. And God himself provides the exclamation point. Elijah the prophet approached the altar and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Yahweh. Answer me so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell face down and said, Yahweh, He is God. Yahweh, He is God. God has graciously reminded the people of who they are. And even though He doesn't have to, He proves Himself by sending fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Just as fire came down to consume the sacrifice at the dedication of Solomon's temple, so here God did the same. He mercifully was showing his power to his people, as he had done innumerable times before. The challenge has been won, and swiftly Elijah violently deals with the false prophets of the false god Baal before the true god sends rain upon the land again. This is only a taste of the amazing life of persecuted Elijah amidst a rebellious people in the north. Though Ahab was more wicked than any king before him, Elijah continued in faithfulness to God. Elijah spoke the words of God even when ears were shut to them. And through this prophet, God showed Israel his power over all their false gods. We should note, however, one more thing about Elijah. He is one of two humans in all of the Bible who didn't have to experience physical death. At the end of his ministry, God simply sends a fiery chariot from heaven to receive Elijah. Quite a remarkable ending for quite a remarkable prophet. This prophet from Israel, however, along with many other prophets we see along the way, couldn't forestall the seemingly inevitable arc toward destruction. Israel was in a bad place, and it would continue its rebellion through the decades and centuries. That is, until finally God said, enough. The opportunity for turning back would come to an end, and the northern kingdom of Israel would be conquered by the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC. The Bible provides a simple explanation. When the Lord had torn Israel away from the house of David, They made Jeroboam son of Nebat king, and Jeroboam led Israel away from following the Lord and caused them to commit a great sin. The Israelites persisted in all the sins that Jeroboam had committed and did not turn away from them. Finally, the Lord removed Israel from his presence, as he had declared through all his servants the prophets. So Israel was exiled from their homeland into Assyria, where they are to this day. The first king Jeroboam led a rebellion that eventually ended in exile. He set up fake gods with false priests, and the people, though they had the prophets, resisted God until finally he resisted them. God removed the kingdom of Israel from his sight. Israel is in exile. Join us next time as we shift back to the kingdom in the south. Judah retains the temple and retains the priesthood. Will they fare better than their brothers to the north? Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.